This is Generation Justice, a multimedia movement that trains youth to harness the power of media for social change. I'm Polly Dinecla. And I'm Brennan Olivier. Tonight, we explore what it means to indigenize learning. The Native American Community Academy, or NACA, was created to fuse together Western and indigenous education. One way NACA is doing this is through their summer travel experiences. We'll be hearing from Henry Drake Foreman and Larissa Hohola about this year's trip to Hawaii and what it means to indigenize the learning experience. Then we'll talk with GJ member Josh Haynes about how last year's trip to New Zealand positively impacted his life and his education. Before we dive in, let's listen to a little music. Here's a song I selected. It's hashtag That Power by Will I Am and Justin Bieber. listening to Generation Justice, and tonight we're talking about what indigenizing education means and how it impacts students. Josh Haynes is Dine, a senior at NACA, and has been with Generation Justice for almost two years. Last year, he was able to go on NACA's senior service learning trip to New Zealand, and it positively impacted his life. Now, here's Josh Haynes with GJ fellow Kateri Zuni talking about his experience. My name is Kateri Zuni. And I am from Zuni Pueblo and Isleta Pueblo. I'm sitting down with Josh Haynes, who is also a member of Generation Justice. Josh, if you can introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Joshua Haynes, and uh, I am a Generation Justice member. I am a senior at high school, and I go to NACA, Native American Community Academy, and it's a very good school. I'm from Texas originally, and my mom is... Native American, and my dad is African American. My mom is from Ojosino. That is where our reservation is, and that's where my grandmother lives. Thank you. Go ahead and give us an idea of what the language program is that took you to New Zealand. Well, first we had to get in groups. We had uh, uh, meetings every Wednesday, and it was to start the group conversations and the group bonding when we went and the language. We had to learn the Maori language, so it actually took us weeks. We even did the dances they did and sort of did like a test with the languages. Our teacher, he had us repeat every word, and it was pretty fun. We got to count to ten and learn like the simple words. So the program is based on language revitalization, is that right? Yeah. Josh, can you tell me why language revitalization is important? I think language, knowing our language is knowing is also knowing ourselves because our culture is what makes us us. It's what builds us. It's where we started from. Um and it's what we're made of for the Maori people. Every one of their students knew their language. Not one of them I met didn't know their language. And that was very important to look at because when you look back at the states and then you go back to other tribes, not everyone knows their language. And it's very interesting to see that. And I think it's very important to know your language and your culture because it, it shows you. And it's very important just to know your own language as for your people and yourself. 
What are some of the things that the Maori did that you think our communities here or your community might benefit from? The Maori people, they took their land and it's a spiritual thing and I think we can benefit from that because if we treat our environment better and we take our language with us it could definitely show us benefits of us and our living. What are some of the barriers you or maybe other students at NACA have in preserving their languages? The struggles I had was as an indigenous being, I didn't, I don't know my full language. I don't know my Navajo language. And going up to the Maori, it was a struggle to kind of relate to that because I never really was taught my language, but I'm still learning. And how many different tribes were represented? I would honestly probably guess around 64. There was a lot of tribes and a lot of, it was amazing, it was crazy. Did you notice any kind of similarities between between languages or cultures? The similarities I saw for the cultures were um, the respect, how we have to show respect not only to each other but mostly to our elders because what I saw was the Maori people respected the elders because of you know what they can bring to the table and what they've been through, their struggles and their trials and tribulations and cultures. When we connected, it was very spiritual. Everybody was connecting. Everybody was at on the same level, which was nice, because I've never seen that. It was nice. Yeah, that sounds great. Can you kind of explain or describe the experience? Like, what kind of preparations did you do? What was it like to travel there? We had to practice our singing, and we had to practice our introductions. Like, our group, we were practicing the bow and arrow dance, and we got that done. Some people were even doing more than one because there were more than one tribe. Yeah, it was it, it got serious, especially with the singing. Going to New Zealand, so we had to wake up super early to get to the airport. The, the plane was a 12-hour flight, so, and I got sick, but it was a bummer. But when I got there, everything basically went away. Um, when we got there, I had to get ready because we were in different groups. The Navajos, the Apaches, we all had our different um, groups because we wanted to present our cultures um, specifically. What I did was I was singing, and we did the bow and arrow dance, and we sh- presented that to the Maori people. And uh, it was really cool. They were really interested. They asked us a lot of questions. And the experience, I would have to say, for New Zealand was very life-changing because... I experienced things that no other person would probably ever would. Yeah, I think that's that's true. Did this trip change you in any way? Yeah, it definitely changed me. It was an experience that was a ride, and it was a good... I did benefit from this experience. When I came back from New Zealand, it felt like my mind was just filled with, with knowledge. So, yeah, I did benefit. And... If you want to think of yourself maybe 10 years from now, what about this trip and this experience with these people do you think you will carry with you? What I'd carry from this trip would be the perseverance that both sides had to do to in order to meet the standards because we had to go to, we went to seven marais, and those are like schools slash churches to the Maori people. 
each of those seven for me were different because it was a spiritual thing nobody i don't know if anybody else was feeling it but i was because i felt different at each marai and almost like feeling the ancestors you know the people who were there before the maori people and uh you just really want to be mindful give thanks you know respect you mentioned earlier that you had the opportunity to uh stay with the maori family mm -hmm. can you describe that for me yeah so we were at a marai and we were randomly getting picked to to stay with the family or I got picked to stay with a musician. And it was funny because earlier during that day, this musician had performed for us, and he played like seven different flutes. Yeah, it was amazing. And one of them was like a human bone. And like, he wouldn't tell us if it was real or not. So we were just like, what? And he could play like a flute with his nose. He was very talented. And uh, when I stayed the night, they were very caring people. They're just so nice to me, you know. They don't even know me, you know. It reminds you, I'm a stranger to them. And when I went to their house, they offered me some oysters, and then I've never tried oysters, and I, it was it was cool. That was a fun experience. And um, we were, I rap. I like a lot of music. I'm a hip hop head. And so when we combined it, it was really cool because both of our music tastes and talents went together. He raps too, and then it was really cool. And then he was just giving me a whole bunch of motivation and telling me to just keep striving. Wow. That seems like it's uh, meant to be that you got hooked it, up with a musician. Well, like, when he was performing, he wanted some other kids to go up there and perform with him. And there was actually, it was me and two other people. And I felt like the whole room was just enlightened with the energies. And I met his his uh, his wife. I met his daughter. And, yeah, they fed me. They uh, let me uh, sleep on their bed. It was awesome. Yeah. Is there anybody that you would like to thank uh, who helped you in this experience? I'd like to thank my teacher, Mr. H, for kind of getting me back on track and telling me about New Zealand. I would love to just thank everybody who kind of pushed me. All the students and teachers who pushed me because at the time I wasn't really doing so good. But I'm very thankful for everybody on the trip, for each individual. I don't want to say just one name, but even all the teachers, all the students, I want to thank all of them. I just want to thank every one of them for just pushing me and giving me the passion, you know, because no one else would really do it except for those people, and those people are very special to me. You mentioned when you were thanking people, your teacher, Mr. H. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me in what ways he helped you? Mr. H, uh, he helped me. When I came back to my school, uh, I had left two years. And when I came back to Naka, I wasn't really in a good shape or position. And when the opportunity in New Zealand came up for all seniors, um, he asked me if I was going to join, and I said, I don't know. He kind of talked with me, and he just helped me out a lot. And then he motivated me. When everything was happening, everything was getting real because I bought my passport, and there was no going back after that. And so when we finally made, made it to New Zealand, we were on a beach, and then we were at the Pacific Ocean. And I was looking out in the distance, just a big view, you know, just a blue sky. You could feel the wind. It was cold. And I remember Mr. H coming up to me, put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, I'm glad to be 
here in this moment with you looking at this view. And I said, me too. And then I was just happy. I didn't have no worries. I didn't have no stress. I was thankful. All my work had paid off. And it was just a blessing. Thank you. Josh, is there anything else that you want to mention or add? Yeah. I just want to say, if there's any opportunity that, that comes across your way, I think you should do it if it benefits you. And you shouldn't really care about what other people say. If you want to do something, just go do it. That's what it takes. It's your life. It's your way. So enjoy. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us, Josh, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Josh, for sharing your story and reflections on your trip to New Zealand with us. I agree with what you said about us losing our language, and if we don't use it, it just fades away and is forgotten. Glad to hear you're trying to learn more of the Dene language, your home language. Here's a song selected by Josh. It's called Hitongi Mo Inga Rehi by Weira. You're listening to Generation Justice, and tonight we're talking about how to indigenize education. This year's service learning trip is called Aloha Ke. Aloha meaning hello in Hawaiian, and Ke meaning kinship in Navajo. This program is a cultural immersion and service learning trip bridging indigenous youth and culture from New Mexico with Hawaiian people, places, and Aina meaning land. The purpose of this journey is to engage with Hawaiian communities around authentic, culturally responsive teaching, food, music, storytelling, entrepreneurship, and cultural arts. This trip is one of the many ways Naka has intentionally fused Western and indigenous education by standing on the principle of kinship, reciprocity, and so many other indigenous values. Now here is Henry Jake Foreman and Larissa Hahola with GJ Fellow Kateri Zuni to tell us more. My name is Kateri Zuni and I'm speaking with Henry Jake Foreman, who is a teacher at Naka the Native American Community Academy, and Larissa Hohola, who is a senior there and getting ready to graduate. Welcome to Generation Justice, Jake and Larissa. Can I have you introduce yourselves? Hi ho and mabuhai. My name is Henry Jake Foreman. I'm absentee Shawnee from Oklahoma, as well as Filipino and Scots-Irish. I'm really happy to be here. Yanomam Kima. Hello. My name is Larissa Hohola, and I'm from the Pueblo of Isleta. I'm so glad to have you guys here. First off, I want to get started with you, Larissa. Can you tell me a little bit about Naka and your experience there so far? Yes, I have attended Naka for about six years now, and it's a great school. It's helped me a lot um, identifying with my culture and community. Before, I was never really into my culture that much until I came to this school, and it taught me a lot. It taught me my language. It taught me my culture, and I got to connect with other people and other that were in my tribes. So I'm so thankful for that and the school. It's really great. It builds a community, and I'm so thankful to have that community-based learning. 
Well, that's great. Um, and I definitely identify with that. Trying to get back to your own community can be hard. So it's great mm-hmm. that you found an environment to do that. Can you tell me a little bit about the class that's going to Hawaii? So this is my second year teaching their Naka Senior Capstone course. And the course itself is entitled Digital Strategy and Entrepreneurial Innovations, a.k.a. Global Indigenous Praxis. Um, I didn't learn that word praxis until I was in graduate school here at UNM, but it's essentially uh, learning about theories and putting them into practice and having that critical reflection. And so it's like a cycle of learning. So right now, students are working on their own projects to solve community-identified needs, to create business plans, to create an idea to share their passions with the world. So we've been doing a lot of exciting projects. Uh, We've been doing uh, a couple community outreach events for our trip that we're taking to Hawaii. So about nine of our students are going to be going with myself and three other adults um, to the Big Island as well as Oahu at the end of May and the beginning of June. And we're going to do community service. We're going to be working on an ancient fish pond. And we're also going to be learning from entrepreneurs out in Hawaii about their culture, about how they infuse their culture into their business, and ultimately, you know, how to spread this kind of um, worldview of aloha, right, of being able to to be right with the land, to kind of um, be able to connect with the aina or the land that, that which feeds us, essentially. Can you describe the kind of work that the Karuna Colectiva is doing? I came up with the idea of the Karuna Colectiva about a couple years ago while I was working uh, with NACA, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be a great idea if we created a youth cooperative, right, to show that there can be a model, a way to fundraise where everyone's involved, everyone's engaged, and everyone's kind of equally affected by the action and the work that we do. So the Karuna Colectiva means compassionate collective. And so as a collective, we've done a lot of work together. We've created bike trips. We've created our own kind of products and clothing line to help fundraise for our trip to Hawaii. So I was thinking, you know, like we know as Native Americans that we could sell fry bread and we could easily make a profit. But we know that that doesn't necessarily help our communities or help our health. So it's kind of an alternative way of fundraising. It's a way to indigenize our fundraising and to really implement this idea of indigenomics, right? Knowing that we can collaborate together and we'll be that much more powerful and we'll be able to fundraise doing healthy things that are fun, that are exciting, that are new, that that really um, you know, engage young people. And so that's what we're hoping to share with the youth in Hawaii is how we fundraise for this event, how we prepared uh, for this trip that we're taking. So, so hopefully they could come over here one day and, you know, visit us in here in New Mexico because there's a lot of similarities. I think we have a lot to learn from each other. Great. That sounds awesome. And yeah. I, I really appreciate uh, the idea of indigenomics. I think that's wonderful. I think too often we do kind of get lumped into this like fry bread sale or you know kind of approach Mm -hmm. so I really appreciate that Larissa how has um the experience been for you it's been amazing I've never been introduced to any of this before see my classmates come together and work together on our projects and kind of seeing them come out of their shell a bit more we get to incorporate the things that they're passionate about which is something I don't think a lot of people get the opportunity to do is express their passions and that's something that I've been able to do with this collectiva and within this classroom setting and uh, one of the things that I've been able to do is create a social media project it's a campaign and it's called hashtag break the stereotype and it's focused on breaking stereotypes with the Native American communities so that's something that I've been able to work with Jake on and with my fellow peers on 
So can you and both of you explain the objectives, maybe like the learning objectives of this project? And also how does the trip to Hawaii kind of meet those objectives? I've been able, I've had the privilege of, of doing a lot of study abroad, especially here at UNM. I was able to travel to Northern Ireland to le learn about youth and community work. Also, I've been able to travel to, to Mexico City, where I studied international business, and um, in Peru as well to learn from indigenous peoples. So every trip that I took, it was really interesting because I went with a professor. We usually had our own objectives related to our classes or to the fields of study. But I realized, like, again, how can we indigenize these trips? So I thought to myself, you know, what are some things that we can bring, right? We don't want to just come and say, hey, you know, help us, feed us, right? We, wanna, we don't want to be like regular tourists. So we thought really long and hard about how we could reciprocate. And the way and what we came up with is this idea that we could share the knowledge that we're learning in our course with other youth, right? Share these concepts of praxis, of understanding epistemology, the study of how we come to know, understanding kind of 21st century indigenous education. And the way that we're going to share it is by creating a documentary, um, documenting this whole process of fundraising and then the trip itself, and then also a curriculum magazine. So Larissa's been working really hard with her peers to learn more about curriculum development because I have an explicit goal for these students of going into education and being teachers themselves, right? We're all educators in, any, in so many different ways, right? So the idea is that we're not just going to go and have fun, but we're really going to document the process and turn it into a curriculum for next year's seniors as well so that they could build on the work that, that these seniors put in for next year. That's wonderful. Doing a little bit of research on your on your project, um, I saw something that said that the students are working on cultural contributions. Can you maybe explain that for us? Some of the students who are going on the trip are planning to do traditional dances for them. And we are also, uh, along with the dancers, planning to learn a powwow song to sing to them. Uh, for my culture, well, I just want to share like my culture with them. Uh, so... One of the things that I think um, my culture and Hawaiian culture has um, in common is Leta Pueblo. The name of Leta means small island, and Hawaii is made up of a bunch of islands. It's really based on the people within those islands and taking care of the islands. As Jake mentioned earlier, Aina, that what feeds us is the island, and we have to take care of it. And in Hawaii and both here, it's very important to take care of our land because it takes care of us. Taking care of the land is very important for us. Definitely, yeah. And, you know, so we have kind of different groups. Um, we have, I think, over at least over 10 different tribes represented on this trip. So people are going to be sharing traditional dances as well as some contemporary art and music that we've been producing. So this is all um, seen as a ceremony, and we're taking it as that. So um, we're going to be preparing, you know, in a traditional way, and all of us are going to be attending, right, and um, ceremonies and and really making sure that when we go out there, we're going to be protected, we're going to be safe, we're going to be respectful, right? And so we're going to really follow those protocols. There is also the mention of um, sharing indigenous learning tools, and you might have touched on that a little before, but can you can you both explain that for me? Our cultures are really based in oral tradition. Right. So we do a lot of stories. We speak a lot. And a lot of those stories are actually in songs or are shared during certain times of the year. And all of these things really help um, us learn in a really deep way. Like we memorize them. They're connected to certain 
pieces of art. They're connected to certain figurines or certain pottery, right? So all of those things are learning tools. Like the way that we can see uh, in a pottery, right, that it not only is a beautiful piece of art, but it tells a story. To pick on storytelling, we've had a lot of guest speakers in our classroom to teach us from different cultures. We recently had a man come in um, who teach us about epistemology. Before, I didn't, I had no idea what that word meant, the coming of like how something comes to be. I think that's very important because to have someone else teach you and to have speakers come in and you gain new perspectives, you gain more knowledge. And that's something important and something that I think sometimes gets taken for granted. Like people don't understand the importance of what these people are telling them. And I'm thankful for having these many guest speakers and artists telling us their stories and sharing their stories with us. And in return, we get to share our stories with them as well. So it's very important and it's a very empowering learning experience. Uh, the guest speaker that she was talking about uh, is a jeweler. So what he did is he shared the way that he knows through his jewelry, right? And really unpack these things that we see and we take for granted maybe sometimes, right? Unpacking the shell, right? And what it means and, and why people wear it when they're dancing. But the idea is that everything that you do should have purpose. Everything that you wear should have purpose, have meaning to it, because everything that you do means something, right, and and could dramatically affect the, the outcome. So it's very spiritual. It's really interesting to be a high school teacher and to really, you know, talk about spirituality as well, you know, but I think because we're at the Native American Community Academy, you know, we, we have to talk about that because it is a part of our culture. As a teacher, Jake, what do you hope the students from NACA who get to go on this trip will accomplish or get out of it? Well, I really hope that we can just come together as a collective and just show the power of what happens when a group of people have kind of one vision and one aim and work together towards that aim. Um, I really hope that we have a lot of fun. This is their senior trip, so I'm hoping that we go to the beach and we also, you know, go to a lot of farmer's markets. But I think um, another student um, who went to New Zealand last year really shared by understanding other people's cultures, then we become more proud of our own culture. And really, that's what I hope the most, is that after going on this trip, they come back and they see the beauty that they have around them, right? They don't take their grandparents around them for granted, or they don't take their tribe or their land for granted. And they really come back and they say, hey, I love I love the Aina too. We have really beautiful Aina. We have beautiful land here in New Mexico. And let's take care of it. And let's get other kids excited about education. And let's just make indigenous education the hippest, coolest thing, you know, in the 21st century, right? So that's really what I'm hoping for the trip. I'm hoping to gain a new culture experience. I want to learn more about their culture because, as I mentioned earlier, I was never quite into mine um, growing up until I came to this school. And hopefully when I go to Hawaii, we'll get to share, I'll get to share my culture with them and they'll get to share theirs with mine and um, just create um, like a family experience and just educate myself more on my culture and so when I come back home, I can I can be proud of who I am. And I am proud of who I am, but even more so now, I just want to be, like, show people the beauty in our culture because I don't think a lot of people recognize that, that our culture and their culture, it is beautiful. And there's beauty within all of us. Thank you. So why do you think it's important to build this interconnectedness between indigenous communities? I think it's important to build communities and this have this connection because our culture 
now is fading. And that's one of the big problems that we're dealing with. And if we can all come together and help revive our culture, I think that's something very important and that, um, for the youth to do because my ancestors, my grandparents, they were very intact with their culture. But now I look around and see that not a lot of people are into their culture. And it's a bit sad to see. And so being able to help revive that culture and come together and connect with other cultures, I think is very important for us just to learn more about each other and just to live healthier and live better and just be proud of who we are. If we create more solidarity across the globe, we'll see that there's indigenous people around the world and really that we are the majority and we're not the minority. And that's that's a lot of power within that if we all come together. So if we build more solidarity, then we're going to be that much more successful in really helping protect the earth. Yeah, I really appreciate that. That's fantastic. Is there anything else either of you would like to share? We're really grateful to be here because this is going to help build the movement to show that, hey, look in Albuquerque, right? There's a lot of terrible things happening. But guess what? We got a group of youth that, you know, fundraised over $13,000 to go on a trip to Hawaii to create curriculum. And they're talking about epistemology and praxis and indigenous education at the age of 17. You know, this is this is like this is my dream come true for this trip. Because really, it's about building that movement and inspiring more people, you know, to get engaged and to to be proud of who they are. Yeah, we actually have a GoFundMe page set up to help fundraise to Hawaii. We have a video for you guys to watch as well. And um, that's just to help fundraise and help get our trip, help make our trip come true and help with expenses. And then we're also on Facebook at Cycles of Life, as well as Garena Colectiva. And as well, Naka has a Facebook as well. You can check out. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being here and for all of the work that you're doing. Larissa, I'm so proud of you being from Isleta and seeing somebody your age really out there and engaging and just going for it. I think it's wonderful. And I hope that you guys have a great trip. Thank you. Thank Hopefully you. we'll be back to share our learning tools when we come back. Absolutely. Uncle Mayo. Thank you, Jake and Larissa, for telling us more about this trip and the intentionality around it. I love how this learning experience and your class stands on Indigenous values and empowerment. Jake, I liked it when you said that you are teaching youth how to have an entrepreneurship and infuse Indigenous culture into the thing the students choose. It is really interesting and cool to have a passion you like and find a way to make it even more cool by indigenizing it. Now we'll hear a song selected by Jake. It's called We Are Monakea by Sons of Yeshua. We are Monakea. Fighting for the land. People rise up. Heyo, it's that part of the show where we give back to our community by talking about all the great things that are happening. It's time for our community calendar with Katerine Edwin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's community calendar. I'm Edwin Rivera. And I'm Katerine Zuni. The first event this week is for all the little bookworms out there. Yes, Books to Art for Kids is a story time and art hour held at the Indian Polo Cultural Center at 401 12th Street in Albuquerque. 
Parents and caregivers are encouraged to bring their preschool and kindergarten age children to hear Native American authored stories and enjoy hands-on activities and craft making. The story hour will be from 10 to 11 a.m. tomorrow, Monday, May 2nd. For more information about this event, call 505-843-7200. Okay, Edwin, it's trivia time. Ooh. On what day in 1862 did the Mexican army defeat the French army at the Battle of Puebla? Cinco de Mayo, of course. Good job. And the South Broadway Cultural Center will honor this historic day on Thursday, May 5th, with a celebration of music and dance. The event will feature food and performances by Ballet Folklorico, Fiesta Mexicana, and Mariachi Nuevo Sonido. There will also be a presentation on the history of Cinco de Mayo celebrations in the United States by Dr. Irene Vasquez, director of the UNM Chicana and Chicano Studies Department. For more information on this celebration, contact René Rivera Gelfi at 505-848-1320. Also on May 5th, the Indian Pueblo Culture Center will feature the last lecture in their series, Reframing Resources, Water in the Contemporary Pueblo World. That sounds important. What kind of topics will be discussed? Well, in this final lecture, they'll look at the role of political leadership in securing and protecting our social mobility. Basically, how can political leaders help Pueblo people to maintain social and economic growth while also protecting water and resources? I guess what they say is true. Water is life. The lecture is from 5.30 to 7 p.m. at the Gocho Center. For more information, call 505-843-7270. This next event is a book signing for all the film lovers out there. Wait, a book signing for film lovers? That's right. The National Hispanic Cultural Center is hosting a talk and book signing of Hidden Chicano Cinema, Film Dramas in the Borderlands by A. Gabriel Melendez, a professor of American Studies at UNM. But the event will also feature some film screenings, right? Yes, it will, and it'll explore the ways New Mexico and the Southwest have been exoticized through popular film history. Okay, cool. The event is on May 7th from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., and the Cultural Center is located at 1701 4th Street, Southwest. For more information, contact 505-246-2261. This next event is great for anyone who's interested in art, particularly the art of lithography. You know, I've heard of lithography, but I don't really get what makes it special. Well, it's a long process of pressing ink onto sheets of metal, like aluminum, so it only sticks to a design created by an artist. It's pretty interesting stuff, and 16 UNM students have been selected to showcase their works. The students spent an entire semester working with the Tamarin Institute, and the event is in collaboration with the UNM Department of Art and Art History. It'll be at the Tamarin Gallery at 2500 Central Southeast in Albuquerque. The public is invited to an opening reception on Friday, May 6th from 6 to 8 p.m. The gallery is open to the public Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. For more information, call 505-277-3901. You know, Edwin, the voting season is just around the corner, and that means all eligible voters have only a few days to register to vote in the primaries on June 7th. Oh no, when's the last day to register? Voters have until May 10th to register for primaries and until October 11th to register for the general election. Okay, good. There is still some time to tell my friends. It is important for any youth to keep in mind that if they're going to be 18 years old by the general election, 
They're eligible to vote in the primaries at 17. That's right. You know, this is a fantastic opportunity for young people to get out and make their voices heard. If you're interested in having your voice heard about mental health, May is your month because May is Mental Health Awareness Month and we have great ways from the Albuquerque Center for Hope and Recovery to get involved. These events were created to help raise awareness on the prevalence of mental health issues within our communities and also to help end the stigma, which really stands in the way of people and the help that they need. That's right. The first event is a Children's Mental Health Awareness Day Health Fair at Explora Discovery Center. The fair is on Thursday, May 5th, and Explora is located at 1701 Mountain Road Northwest. If you're in Santa Fe, you can check out Mental Health and the Family, a forum for Mental Health Month. This forum will be led by Pamela S. Hyde, JD, a former administrator for Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services. The forum will be held at the United Church of Santa Fe at 1804 Arroyo Chamiso Road from 5.30 to 6.45 p.m. If you can't make it to this forum, there will be another one on May 8th from 9.45 to 10.45 a.m., also at the United Church of Santa Fe. On Saturday, May 7th, National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI, will hold a 5K walk from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. at Balloon Fiesta Park. There will be lots of fun, food trucks, face painting, and a rock climbing walk. The walk is open to all ages, but register at namiwalks.org. And folks in Española can get their walk on too. El Centro Family Health is hosting a 5K walk and one mile run on May 7th. The walk starts at 8 a.m. at 31 Mile Road in Española, New Mexico. For more information, visit ecfh.org. You know, during our hashtag NMSpeaksCrisis campaign, stigma and access were two of the most common issues surrounding the crisis. It's great to see so many opportunities to break down those barriers. Yeah, they're raising awareness and they sound extremely fun. For more information on any of the mental health awareness events, call the Albuquerque Center for Hope and Recovery at 505-246-2247 or send an email to aromeroachr at gmail.com. Well, that wraps up another sweet collection of community events and important reminders. I'm Edwin Rivera. And I'm Kateri Zuni. Now... In honor of Edwin's 16th birthday, here is Que Tonteria by Regulo Caro. Attention young journalists of color. The 2016-2017 Generation Justice Fellowship application is now live. If you are a college student or recent graduate of color, do not miss the opportunity to apply for this year-long and intensive community journalism experience where we emphasize media literacy and media justice. That's right, Brennan. Our fourth-year fellows get the chance to gain valuable multimedia skills in radio, video, and web journalism and have the opportunity to meet and work with local and national journalists. As a first-year fellow with Generation Justice, I was able to not only grow as a journalist but as a person. I became strong in my own story and in my identity that has shifted the way I create media. Now I try to tell complete stories that dive into history but, more importantly, the community. 
This fellowship has changed my life. This is a wonderful opportunity for any young journalist or media maker of color who is ready to truly engage in their community and challenge the status quo of commercial journalism. The last day to turn in applications, my lovelies, is coming up fast on Monday, May 16th, so don't wait. Spread the word and visit generationjustice.org for more information. Now, here is Aboriginal by Frank Wallen. I'm leaving home all alone on the res I grew up unknown with my stone the world said I couldn't be a king but in the city I could see a throne feeling like the king of the damned in the kingdom of sand build the castles as my freedom expands just to watch them fall down as the tides roll in I never seen a storm come without a wind and so I don't know more rap than part of the we have reached the end of tonight's program we'd like to send a big thank you to Josh Haynes Larissa Hohola and Jake Foreman of NACA for sharing your experiences and philosophies with us Thank you to Kamaria Umi for engineering this evening's program. Production assistance tonight came from Kateri Zuni, George Luna Pena, Tamara Kalaki, Christina Rodriguez, myself, Jennifer Lim, Alden Bruce, and Roberta Rael. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and so much more. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe. We're also active on social media, so be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the McCune Foundation, Kon Alma Health Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned. I'm Brenna Olivier. And I'm Polly Dinequa. Join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Stay blessed, fam, and have a great week. Yeah. What's up, Philippines? I see y'all real soon, man. This is dedicated 7,000 islands in the Pacific Ocean, where my family came from. Philippines, rock, rock on, yeah.